Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 6th Round Post-Fight Show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you all from the close of UFC Vegas 86, Hermanson versus Pfeiffer. Going down at the Apex facility, as always, with this craft. Uh, another middleweight ma- Apex main event that, um, you know, I'm glad this one was five rounds. The last one didn't need to be five rounds. But uh, this one absolutely did be, did need to be because it would have just been two, three. Joe Pfeiffer would have walked out with an e- a clear and easy win. I would have been fine with four and calling it a draw. <laughs> sure, sure, that actually would have also been fine. <laughs> um, but no, you're in all seriousness. This is why they're five rounds. Yeah, because like if we're trying to make Joe Pfeiffer a title contender, then the read here really was. And, you know, I picked Joe Pfeiffer going in. I I think you did, too. That if if Jack Hermanson could survive to round three, he was going to win this fight. You know? And... Well, I didn't know that. That wasn't what I read. I couldn't... I had no idea, right? Like, I I I was based that off of. I was picking just off of, A, how hard Pfeiffer throws... And oh, oh shit! Just being told that we just we just now went live. I'm seeing so sorry to everyone. I say uh, it shows me live for a minute and fifty seconds. Same, same here, same here. But it just says now. Nah, somebody just said we got you on screen right now, mid sentence. So there may have been some delay here. Anyway, I didn't miss much. No, all I did was give the intro and say that I'm glad this was five rounds. Because in my mind, if Jack Manson could survive to round three, he was going to win. And the, re- the what I based that off of, as Eddie was asking, because he was saying that's not, you know, he didn't see that necessarily being the way it was going to go, was how little regard from or for control that Pfeiffer had against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And like, Pfeiffer got some good stuff done in that fight, and he fought with more control than he ever had before, which just shows how little control he had before. But there was still, like, you know, he was jumping on some arm triangle, like a trying for a standing arm triangle. He was crashing the pocket. He was doing a lot of stuff in that fight, the fight that uh, really did not suggest that he had much regard for the idea that he might need to reserve anything for later on that he might need to hold on for anything or that somebody could fight back and fight through the things he was doing and maybe make him pay for it. And so to me, that just kind of said, if he has to go more than two rounds, 
he's going to be in a world where Jack Hermanson is super comfortable and he is not because he is not fighting like somebody who is expecting to be having to push late. Maybe to a degree. You also yeah. have to factor in the fact that Jack Hermanson was kicking the shit out of his calf. There is that too. He was kicking the shit out of his calf and not narrow, not a narrow one was checked. So anyone's going to have an issue going five hard rounds when that's the case. Well, but that's also kind of what I mean by the control. Is it like he just, Pfeiffer, he still fights like a jittery young fighter who doesn't think about having to have things that he has to take care of later, you know? Right. He's out there to step in. Raw talent. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought the raw talent was enough and the power was enough that he could go out there and crush him early on. But if he's not going to crush Jack Hermanson, then we've seen Jack Hermanson in fights against, you know, Marvin Vittori or... uh, Sean Strickland or, uh, you know, Edmund Shabazian and Chris Curtis, where if you can't take him out, like he will just build more and more momentum as the fight goes on. We know that even in fights that Hermanson has that are bad, he will rally hard late. And I just couldn't see Pfeiffer being ready for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, just, uh... This is also a major step up in competition for yeah. Huge step up. We we have to really underline the fact that Hermanson's world class. Like he mm-hmm. legitimately is you kind of see him as a bit of a gatekeeper. I don't think anyone honestly sees him as a title contender, like a true threat no. to the title. But I mean, he's parentally ranked. He is always, always a tough out. And uh I think it just reestablishes him as as just one of the elite ranked fighters, and Pfeiffer is just not there yet. He's too green, too raw, um, and I think he learned a lot of valuable lessons today. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it's a fight that Pfeiffer clearly has the natural talent to be an elite fighter and to climb and win at a level. Because, as you say, Hermanson. What we've seen from the past, in, in the other thing, and I'm talking about fights where Hermanson has rallied back to be competitive or win sometimes. But what we've also seen, and the reason so many of us picked against Hermanson is when he has to fight somebody that's really big and, and strong and powerful, he can get really overwhelmed, especially early on. Yeah. And that is not, that didn't change. That read didn't go away. Like, Pfeiffer still came out of the door, or came out the door and hit Hermanson with shots that had Hermanson reeling immediately in this fight. Yep. You know, but is- but Jack got some respect. Yeah, <laughs> he found yeah. weapons to get some respect, which was the calf kick and the jab. Simple yeah. tools, super simple yet effective. Well, and the thing that you know, credit. DC and DC, Dominic Cruz and Daniel Cormier, the DC squared thing, it's a terrible crew for uh, to, to be on the mental. <laughs> yeah, anything, but it's a terrible commentary crew. But I will give them some some respect here in this fight for at least really noticing one thing, which was that Hermanson, even when he was getting overwhelmed early, 
he is still a, a fighter who who knows and understands how to be on his back foot and how to backpedal and occasionally sit down on something, but keep keep circling away, keep shelling and shying away, and to let a fight come to him that doesn't get totally away from him. And when Joe Pfeiffer backed up, he would just get trapped on the cage mm -hmm. and sit and wait to see what would happen. And Hermanson would just nail him. Mm -hmm. And I that, love that pressure, that fifth yeah. round pressure Jack was putting on him, such yeah. a veteran move. And it wasn't even like I'm I'm being super urgent and I feel the need. I have to get no. yeah, he was pressuring because it he he just it was it wasn't like um it was like that uh he was trying to draw something out. It, it well, was very beautiful. It was really great to see in round five what the fruit of that, because what it really set up is you know, in the fifth round we're you know I'm watching on the live, we're doing the live thread over on our Substack and all that. Join in, everybody. It's free, especially on fight nights. We're gonna start probably doing a subscribers only for pay per views, but whatever. Um, and people were like, oh man, why isn't Pfeiffer coming forward? Why is he letting Hermanson back him up so much late in this fight? And A, you know, his his movement had been heavily compromised by those kicks, and he's just not that good at dealing with pressure. But the thing that was great about it too was that Hermanson was so much fresher than Pfeiffer by the end of the fight that he was able to use that threat to put Pfeiffer in a place where it, whenever Pfeiffer did try to come forward late, Hermanson would sit down on two or three strikes where Pfeiffer only had the energy to throw one. So the only place that Pfeiffer was defensively capable of taking care of himself was moving backwards. And the moment Pfeiffer tried to come forwards, Hermanson would just either hit him hard or eventually just took him down and he used that pressure to put Pfeiffer in a place where that was the only place Pfeiffer could be comfortable because he was too tired to initiate. He was too tired to come forward. And you know, that's, that's an elite fighter. That's elite, like built, that's using your tools to build a fight, to make something else happen yeah, than just the right. tools. He was playing you know? off that jab and that calf yeah. so well so well you know it's it's oh you think i'm about to kick the leg here's a jab you think i'm about to jab here's a leg kick yeah and, and eventually it's just like oh you you know now you want to try and respond and be the heavy-handed puncher now well i'm ready to you know i'm ready to hit you back now when you overextend and you can't take it anymore like you have to give me that pressure now and pfeiffer just got stuck he drowned you know Man, you know who else got stuck? Pfeiffer's corner. Do you hear them between the four? Yeah. Ooh. Going in <laughs> on the whole, like, your dad wants you to lose. And just like, you always, I always got, you know, the your corner knows you better than I do. So I don't want to say that, uh, I don't want to say that that was the wrong thing to bring up. But I always wonder when a corner gets real emotional like that, like, 
because in the sometimes emotional stuff, you know, when it's me and I'm not not that I've been I've done a bunch of fighting right there. I've you know I, I've been in the gym training a few times or whatever, but that's not neither here nor there. But I've been in situations where I need to get amped up or where I need to get hyped and stuff. And sometimes emotional pleas really get you going. And sometimes somebody hits a nerve and you're just like, wait, what the hell? Like, I don't want to be thinking about that right now. You know, like it, sometimes some of that stuff will just like absolutely sear in and distract you way more than anything ever could have. So I always worry when like somebody's somebody's really like needling something emotional in a corner with the fighter. It's always like, you don't know how that's going to work out. Like maybe you. Well, and that's the thing. It's only. Oh, we just lost Eddie here. Oh, I'm here. I thought we yeah. lost you. No, you were you were the one that froze and stopped. Uh, you were being glitchy a second ago. Uh-oh. Damn it! All right. Well, what were you saying? Uh, it's sorry. only. Oh, it's 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 um, it's it's crazy unless it works, and then it's genius. Yeah, exactly. You know, look at Leon Edwards when his corner came out against Uz in the fir- in the second Uzman fight, and they're like, "Stop feeling sorry for yourself," and like he goes out and fucking head kicks the dude and wins the the world title. Yeah. The, okay, he got personal. He knew. Didn't happen here, though. I think those leg kicks were a little more, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the I always think of like the hoofed Rumble Johnson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, you know, hoofed is coming back there and like your Johnson's coming back to the corner. I think it was like against DC or something. He's like, don't lose, Anthony, don't lose. And it's just like you could see Johnson being like, wait, wait I'm losing? What? No. And just absolutely, you know, self-imploding. Like, some fighters, it's great. Others, not so much. And, uh... All right, Eddie, I we, we seem to be having a lot of trouble with you just... I don't know what's going on. All right. It was getting weird for a second. Anyway... It's a struggle episode, apparently. <laughs> Bring it. All right. This card built for the struggle. I didn't it like built... this card at all. Yeah, it was it was weird. So let's let's get to the next bit. Of, we we got Hermanson. He called out Nasadin Imavov. I was that was a pretty decent call out. I'd watch Hermanson Imavov. You know. Sure, or RoboCop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if Hermanson's willing to take on uh, unranked dudes, and uh, Hobocop definitely needs to be ranked. <laughs> Hobocop, yes. She does. Well, I mean, you know. No, it's the best. It is. He need, then then yeah, Hermanson Hobocop is a great fight. Hermanson Imavov, it's a great fight. You know, there there are plenty of fights out there. For for Hermanson, but uh, and then yeah, for Piper, this is just you know he took a huge swing. This time to take a step back and hey, you know Roman Delidzi's out there. I would watch Joe fight Joe Piper fight Roman Delidzi. Yeah, that seems like the perfect fight. <laughs> you know. That's perfect. But I mean, that's yeah. like, um, 
that's almost like gifting uh, Pfeiffer the uh, ranking spot, kind of, sort of, in a way. Well, I mean, they did that already with Hermanson, so they're already trying to treat him that way. But then again, so, you know, maybe they take a bigger step back. Let's see who we got otherwise down in middleweight coming off. We could do, like, Barrio, Marc-Andre Barrio, mm. you know? That would be a solid sort of mid-level loss or Jun Young Park or somebody like that, you know? There are dudes. He could fight. There are guys for him to fight out there. Um, Who's, um... What am I thinking of? And is he a middleweight or is he like he's a, not? He is, yeah. He's like six foot five. Yeah, that don't matter. But uh, yeah, I'm the, Michael Alexeja. No, he's fighting Michelle Pereira. But uh, Julian Marquez out there, you know, that's a big step down. Well, yeah, that's true. He he didn't look that bad in this fight. But I'm just saying. Pfeiffer's gonna be in a, a, be in fun fights. There, there's a lot of them out there. Let's let's get to a what should what what should feel like a good fight, but kind of feels like a little bit of a gross fight. The co-main event: Danny Yay, Andre Feely. That just man, I don't want to be like. I don't want to be the good vibes guy, like, and all that, but I kind of hate seeing when fighters don't want to fight each other. You know? I don't even mean, like, I don't know. Like, part of me is just like, you should want to fight each other. That's all you guys are, that's all your whole career is based on knowing that you're going to need to fight each other. You know? Hold on. We're going to have to shout out Donnie Dogpiss and Hobo Obama. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Robocop does look like Obama, kind of sort of. He, do, he, do, he even he even called himself Hobo Obama. <laughs> he said Robo Obama twenty twenty four. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, but uh, what were you saying? I'm sorry. I'm saying I really hate seeing fights like Danny Gate, Andre Feely. Uh, where a dude gets slept and then his opponent is just like, man, I didn't want to do that at all. Um, not me. I'm fine with yeah. it. Because it usually ends like this. One guy comes out yeah. and fucks up the other guy. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it sucks really bad, right? Like, who was it in maybe Bellator, Dudu Dantes, when he fought um, mm-hmm. Marcos Galvao, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was like the pupil-student or the teacher-pupil yeah. relationship, and he had to knock out his instructor. Like, that's, you know, or like when the Fodor brothers fought each other. Like Yeah, well, Fodor. okay. The, bro- the brother thing, I'm just always <laughs> against that. That always looks like domestic violence. Right, it's gross. Always. You can always see one guy is just really mad that his his brother always beats him up, yeah. and the other one is just styling. It doesn't even matter how good either of them are. It's just the the family dynamic of I always beat your ass because that's I'm your brother. Like mm-hmm. I can always beat your ass. It does not matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's always gross. But yeah, 
Danny Gay, Andre Feely. I mean, I I didn't hate the fight. Yeah. It was always I, it was a fight that I always felt was going to go like that. Andre Feely has gotten a lot better, but he's always been a fighter who he struggles to be defensive going forward or backward. And Ige is such a sharp counter puncher who always lets people walk into the pocket on him. It's like Feely is going to step in and he's going to get hit over the top every time he steps in. That's that's the dynamic. And that's what we saw. I just don't like that, that Danny Gay had to feel so bad about it, you know? He also didn't have to land that sad <laughs> ground strike either, but he did. Holy shit. Oh, it's true. Yeah, that was that was hard, man. Mm-hmm. But at least he walked away afterwards. He was like, sure, all right, sure. cool. that's enough. I'm walking yeah. away. So that was a uh, see. It was an awesome, awesome fight though. Yeah. Or they, awesome, awesome performance from Ige, I'll say. Just the way he did that. He said his wife was in labor, so he had to make it quick. <laughs> yeah, he's, we found the, he's found the secrets, the formula, right? He's got to get his wife pregnant, wait nine months, and then book a fight. Yeah. Um, it's like he needs to like link up with Moicano's dad. And they just need to keep populating the earth. Yeah, I don't know that I want that. Why not? A bunch of way too Moicano? much. Way too much. I want to be a cop vibes from both from both these dudes. That I <laughs> I need the world filling up with jujitsu cops. That is not my dream. Really, I would. I much rather want cops that know jujitsu than don't. That's just a cop that knows how to strangle somebody better. Yeah, well, I would rather a cop strangle someone than shoot him. He's <laughs> much less likely to shoot someone if he's less threatened as a human being. He's like, oh, I can somewhat subdue this person without having to. I don't know. There are a lot of there are a lot of MMA fighters that know jujitsu and love guns and really want to shoot people too. That's different, though, right? Like they are probably fine taking life, <laughs> right? Like if you're a, a cage. Remember when John That's what I'm saying. They, these guys are both cage fighters. These guys are both they they are part of that same yeah, community. Yeah, but I just mean cops in general who also Okay, okay, okay. we're getting way off topic. Point is they should rebook Lerone Lerone Murphy versus Danny Gay. I still want to see that fight. Sure. That's a weird booking. Well, it was the fight that was already gonna happen before Fe- Murphy got injured and Feely stepped in. That's a weird booking. And uh, I would also say maybe Danny Giga Chikazi. Fuck yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Giga or Arnold Allen. Yeah, that's Yeah. That's where that's where Ige should be going, not uh Ron Murphy. Well, you know. That was the fight that was already booked, and the UFC loves to go back to fights that are already booked, and I I, I like the idea is seeing the fight, so I'd be willing. Ige deserves a, a better fight, but I'd be happy to see it. Otherwise, for Feely, uh, is he ever actually? He has not somehow ever fought Alex Caceres. Wow, that needs to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. Book it. 
I mean, fantastic calls, ain't? Yeah, that's a fantastic call. That's just one of those fights. Like it's just, it just needs to happen, mm-hmm. you know. I like it. Sometime before they retire, those two dudes got to fight, and they're both coming off losses right now to the top elite to elite fighters, and they are both right in the same place right now. Just make the fight. All right. That brings us to a catchweight fight. Ihor Potieria, Robert Brishek. And, uh, yeah, just kind of a weird, one of those sticky fights that really never quite, like, it always feels like it's going to become more thrilling and never quite does. Right at the end there, it finally kind of got to a boil and they started really trading, but rest of the time we got all the fouls and it just you know I'm tired of fucking weight cuts, botched weight cuts, fucking up my fight picks. <laughs> I know it was short notice, but still. But uh, he did cut thirty I I picked against him four usually I would I would like edge on the you missed weight, you're coming in heavier, you're probably gonna win. But I picked against Potieria for the the bad weight cut here just because 32 pounds in six days felt like a red flag to me. But Yeah, he didn't flag at all. No. And, uh, but Brishik just has, you know, he's got one of those. I, I was talking about this during the live chat and all that. He has one of my favorite styles that's also like the least likely to succeed at higher levels of MMA out there, which is the guy that just only throws power hooks only leaping power hooks. Yeah. This guy is leaping into his shit. He is. He loads up though, man. Yeah, no, I mean, he throws power. He's got good form, but that kind of limited punching style, like, Potieria, he's no kind of he's no kind of masterful technician, but even just having a like, oh, I'm gonna lean on a jab and low kick. The, the hook heavy guys, he just doesn't have that that style is way too open to basic MMA tools picking it apart. Yeah, Potieria just had to have fast hands, throwing combination, um, and just stay elusive and long. I think that was a big thing here too. Yep. Just in long and navigating that wonky ass first round with all yeah. the smells and it's like Potieria drew the foul with one of his ball shots. Mm-hmm. He like buried. He buried it into the nuts, and then he, <laughs> we got uh, Mike uh, Beltran. Beltran going out there and like going full dad mode, full dad mode, full principle. Like, (laughs) you have one more foul, young man, and you are grounded. That's right. You hear me? Beltran was about to ground him for sure. He was about to be on restriction. (laughs) It is. And. It was yeah, but it was weird because he he totally caused that his own his own nut shot there. But anyway, Potieria, I I will say, man showed up better in way better in that last fight against uh, Bellato that he had than I expected, where he almost TKO'd him and then gassed out and got overwhelmed. 
And he showed up way better against Brishik than I expected, too. Seems like uh, Extreme Couture is getting some actual strategy out of him. And getting him calm and getting him to fight smart. So Maybe, or just getting him comfortable in chaos. Yeah, that too. You know, this is a chaos moment, right? This is short notice. The fight was the first round was so chaotic with how weird it was, and and they, the broadcast kept talking about rhythm and not being able to get into it. And this and the third, and there's some truth to that, you know. Yeah. Extreme Couture is chaos. Like you gotta the sparring there is chaos. You gotta deal with Sean Strickland. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a hard sparring gym where you are gonna learn to go through some things and seems like it it even, seems like even if you're an influencer who's that the, yeah 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 just, just no i don't anybody who is like i i get it sean strickland is not the biggest puncher out there on the planet and all that but even other mma fighters that work with sean strickland are like this guy is a huge asshole to spar with I, you know, he will make sparring as hard on you as possible. If you're a random influencer, if you're some dude that is like just looking to prove a point or something, there are plenty of other dudes to go out there and get around with that will like maybe be a little bit nice to you. Sean Strickland is not one of those guys. He's gonna, he's gonna try and prove a point on you. In fact, most fighters, in truth, are not those dudes. Most most MMA fighters are like, oh, you just signed a waiver that any damage inflicted on you is your fault, not mine. And now you want to go and like test yourself out and see what you've got. I get to beat your ass for free. Like we have seen so many videos. Oh yeah. Of- but usually they'll 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 do you in with the body shots, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They'll make you throw up. You know, we saw yeah. Chris Curtis, you know. He, he was very, very nice to that very dude. Gentle. Way nicer to that dude than he yeah. needed to be. And it, it's a thing, you know, but you don't. But then there's those guys like Charlie Zen, Zenerloff. Who's that guy? Charlie Zelenoff. You know who that is? No. What? He's the guy that was like 130, you know, or some shit, right? And he would go to all these um not like martial arts gyms but like one life fitnesses and just hand gloves to people and just be like we're gonna spar and like just start wailing at <laughs> you've never seen this guy you have to look no. him up dude charlie zelenoff or something like that he's all like, right he's like the the very first boxing troll ever i think deontay wilder beat his ass well that would make sense like he yeah, it's you gotta you gotta check this guy out. He's all not right. a fighter either, like at all. All right. That that's neither here nor there. I, the influencer, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. No, he's know. not an influencer. No, no, no. You don't understand, Zane. You have to write this down. And but he's not this. a boxer. You have to just trust me. On okay, that. I will go see it. You have okay. to. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Let's talk about Gregory Rodriguez, Brad Tavares, and unfortunately, like, this was just a really bad matchup for for, uh, Brad Tavares. I hate to say it, but... (laughs) 
99.9% of UFC matchups are bad for Brad Tavares. It's true. <laughs> Being a low power middleweight who who like survives on his chin, like middleweight and up is not the place to do that. If he was a welterweight, he could go out there and be Neil Magny, you know? He could go out there and be the, the like volume clinchy, oh, I got through it and made something happen guy. But middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight, these are divisions where if you're just going out there and you're kind of putting some shots on a guy and not really getting his respect, they're just going to beat your ass. Yep. It's not the, not the place for point fighting. No. But – at least Rodriguez is stiff enough to make it fun and oh yeah and being there to be hit right so uh, that was great Hodri- hobo cop he that dude he is the most i want my feet planted and i want my head online so that i can see you at all times and hit you as hard as i can at all times and like it makes it fun as hell cuz he bangs but he will get hit really clean and really he's not moving out of the way of anything it's like you ever seen those shows um or like a youtube video or clip or reel where wild animals will fight each other and there's there's no hesitation there's no step backs there's no nothing it's just that's hobo cop he has zero fear whatsoever. He's probably the most fearless fighter on the roster. It's true. He is feel it is, and this is true too. No, I, I am an old man, and uh, I will not. I will not deny that for a second. Oh no, it's it's preferred. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't want to know who these people are. I don't. You got to know who this guy is. It's such a. Weird... I will. I will. I will find out. I will go and watch. I will spend an hour tonight. You searching Facebook links. You're not going to feel good about using, this using the old man social media tools. I think and... he even. He even. Um, I want to say he even boxed uh, Floyd's dad. Oh man! But like, like sucker punched him. And then got jumped. <laughs> it's you're not going to feel good after this. No, I don't. I, I don't want to, but I'll be there anyway. <laughs> Brad Tavares, I hate to see it. Um, unfortunately, too, he's getting to the point where now, as a 36 year old who has been in the UFC for 50 years, somehow, guy debuted at the UFC in 2010. Eddie, wow, 2010. Wow. Um, it just feels like the durability is going, you know? Sure. He's got tons of miles. I mean, it's impressive that he's even still here. It's impressive yeah. that he made it to the third round. Yep. But honestly, it kind of felt like Hobo Cop just decided to stop playing with his food, and his coach was just like, all right, just go romp yeah. on the elevator and quit playing around and win. The difference between round two, where Brad Tavares, a lot of people thought Brad Tavares may have even won that round because, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know about that either, but because he was throwing some straight shots and Rodriguez, Rodriguez was just kind of going out there and like touching, trading with him. 
And then the round three where Rodriguez, Rodriguez just stepped on the gas and was just like, I am just going to put you away now. And Tavares is really against the fence and has one arm over the top of it, holding himself up, arguing with the ref that the fight shouldn't have been stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, man, that that fight was stopped perfectly. That mm-hmm. was a perfect stoppage. Did not need to go one second longer than that. No, no. What a beautiful finish, too. The way yeah. he just decided where his punches were going to be. Were, were, were they open? Doesn't matter. The punches are coming, and they're so hard. Any kind of blocking and shelling that, that Tavares was doing just didn't matter. No. But, yeah, I get Hobocop in there with Jack Hermanson. Get him in there with uh, – let's see, who's free right now? Get him in there with, with Chris Curtis, you know? I'd watch that. Chris Curtis needs an aggressive opponent to bring out the dog in him. True. Rodriguez is going nowhere but forward. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Michael Johnson, Darius Flowers, and... I learned something here, Zane. Yeah. I don't like it when when MJ doesn't implode. Yeah, it's not that fun. Uh-uh. I like it better. He almost did, too. Like, he was so close to imploding there at the end of the fight, at the third and third, that flying knee. He almost did it. But he held on. And turns out that's boring. Yeah. I mean, the thing, we were talking about this on the Vivi this week, that Michael Johnson has become a technically much better fighter and much more difficult fighter to beat just for the technical part of his game than he used to be. But he's also getting slower and chinnier and more vulnerable than he used to be. So this was a fight for Darius Flowers to go out there and be the kind of wild man he was in his UFC debut when he fought... uh... Oh, man, who did he fight in his debut? When he fought Jake Matthews, and just went out there and tried to go absolutely bananas on Jake Matthews. And he went out there and he tried to be technical with Michael Johnson. And it's just like, Johnson is just way slicker than you. His jab is way better. His one-two is way better. He's a better wrestler than you. It's easy to say that, right? But on the same token, if it's me... And I'm game planning for Michael Johnson. My game plan is to weather the first round and then, you know, help him implode. That yeah, would be my game plan. When Flowers got desperate late and did start going nuts, that was where Michael Johnson imploded. Right. The thing that people forget with Johnson is so much of what makes him implode is wrestling and grappling, but he's actually really tough to get through and like get to get down on the mat to where he will implode the guys that make that happen they tend to have to either weather a storm or they have to to go through multiple shots and really difficult chain wrestling like we just saw for johnson with uh with uh mark diakese where john like diakese went out there he's like oh i'll just shoot a couple doubles on michael johnson and he'll implode and he just lost like, he just couldn't get in on his hips, and that was it. And he just lost the fight. Well, Johnson was shooting the takedowns. Yeah. 
Like Johnson flowers, flowers couldn't get off his back. The fact that he does implode, you know, people forget that you actually have to force it. You have to make something happen to make him implode. Yeah. And Flowers came out and was like, oh, I'm just going to try to be cute and like, you know, stick around and stick and move with this guy. All that's just like, you got to make something happen. If you're not making it happen, Johnson's not just going to go out there and right. it, yeah, he's not blow up all by himself. That's no. Thing. He's beatable, but it's not an easy fight. You have to take yeah. it. You have to take it to him. And Flowers didn't. So we got a boring fight out of it. Sucks. Uh, I saw somebody in the in my live chat suggest like, oh, Johnson should go out and fight like Bobby Green or um oh god. Who's Drew Dober? And I was, it's like, no, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Those are guys who will absolutely take the fight to Michael Johnson. He can fight Vince Bichel. Go find out what Vince Bichel is doing. That's a good one. They'll try to book him against Tony Ferguson or something. Oh, God. (laughs) That would be so depressing. (laughs) It sounds like something they would do, though. Yeah, because the problem, the, the, the depressing thing about that would be, and this is the most depressing thing, is that Tony Ferguson would take the fight to Michael Johnson hard and he would lose it badly because he would get hurt by something Johnson would do and then he would start doing what Ferguson's doing in all his fights now which is he gets hurt and then he starts to try to have his fight from three feet further out of the pocket where he just starts doing the like spin that's half the speed it used to be and the like switch stance through your shift punches and he gets lit up because none of it is close enough to actually hit his opponent. So it's just like, he's doing this weird little Ferguson pantomime out in front of his opponent. And it just sucks. It's soul crushing. I know who he needs to fight. Mm. I know who he needs to fight. Michael Johnson. I have the perfect fight for Michael Johnson. All right. He's going to fight. Michael Johnson 2.0, which is Terrence McKinney. Oh, yeah. Well, Terrence McKinney will probably blow him out of the water in a round, but if he doesn't... <laughs> right? Both equally... See, yeah. here's the thing. McKinney implodes early. Johnson implodes late. So, we'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Hadolfo Vieira... Armin Petrosian. And I'll admit, I thought this fight was going to be a lot more back and forth and get all three rounds out of this. You know? Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to go a lot longer. I thought Petrosian would be able to at least get up once. Yeah, I mean, Petrosian, <laughs> he, I, I picked him the first time this was booked. And then I watched the tape on it for it again for when it got canceled and they rebooked it. And I'm like, okay, I can see the problem. I really need to pick Vieira here. Mm-hmm. But Petrosian has been really difficult to submit in his career. As easy as he's been to take down, he's actually been a pretty hard fighter to catch in something. And Hadolfo has been hittable. And Hadolfo has been very hittable. So I was really thinking, you know, Petrosian will survive. You may have a, a few good moments where he can rally here and make something happen and all that. 
I got to pick Vieira, but I think this fight will be interesting to see how it shakes out. And instead, Vieira just went out and was like, okay, I'll let you work for a minute. And now I'm taking you down, and now it's over. Now it's a wrap. Right. Yeah, no, I was expecting more of, like, Hidalfo getting backpacked for four minutes of the first. Yeah, round. exactly. Yeah. Take down for two minutes of the second round, and then Petrosian comes back and starts getting his striking going. And Hidalfo yeah. gasses out, and then it gets interesting and dicey, and a split decision or something happens. But no, Hidalfo just showed the fuck up. Dominated. Yeah. Just Perfect. dominated. For Petrosian, this is a this should be a wake up call. You really have to set you have to solve. He he fights tall, and he doesn't sprawl hard, and he tries to counter takedowns with hooks with uppercuts, and that whole recipe is the perfect recipe for every time somebody shoots a double leg on me, they will get both hands connected under my hips, and they will take me down. And it's just like you gotta you gotta be thinking about this harder. You've gotta have a sprawl in there. Mm. You've gotta be more concerned with digging under hooks. You've gotta have a steering wheel. You gotta have something going on here where you are defending the shot and not just trying to catch somebody with a counter on the way in because you're getting taken down all the time. And Vieira is the first dude to really make you pay for it. But he really made you pay for it, you know? Yeah, I guess. It was pretty gentle, honestly. Yeah, I mean... You hurt, you hurt the wallet and the record, but I'm not sure I'm just, how much of a lesson he really learned here. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it, this, is, this, is, this is something that everybody... Like, the arm triangle might not be something everybody can do because Vieira wasn't even in that good a position to squeeze on it like he did. He's just, you know... Dude is yeah, jacked. Yeah, he's that guy. He's that guy. Uh, he's an ADC champ, CC champion. But the whole sequence is something that everybody else can copy. You know, it's Petrosian. This hole is right here for every for other people mm-hmm. to go to. Yeah, he needs some wrestling drills. <laughs> yeah, he needs it, it's just it's all stance with him. It's just like you've got to. You got to look at the way you're carrying yourself and and the reaction, your first reaction to somebody shooting in. It can't be, I'm going to meet an uppercut with this takedown. The problem, though, is sometimes it works. And when it does, it's one of the best feelings ever. When people like an uppercut, it's it's the best. So I get it. Yeah. It's it's understandable, but it's not, you're not playing the percentages. No. All right. Vieira though is he ranked? He's not he ranked, not not ranked yet. But uh, it's too bad Kyle Bahio is booked to fight Paul Craig. I would actually love to see Vieira fight the winner of that fight, especially since I don't think that Paul Craig should be should be ranked at all. Well, I don't think Adolfo should fight anybody above Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. So. Yeah, that's that's a problem. There's that. But Hernandez is fighting Roman Kapalov, which Oof. Kapalov isn't ranked, but that should get should if, if Hernandez can win that, he should be bumped higher up the division. Yeah, he's not ranked, but Paul Craig is. That's fine. Yeah. Right? Don't love it. <laughs> All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Carlos Prates, Trevin Giles, and 
I I think I had this as my lock of the week for our, our staff picks. Mm. And I was feeling really bad about that for eight minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> because sure, Carlos Prata has fought a terrible fight against mm. Trevin Giles for the most part. The way I was seeing it was, okay, Protes is out here and he is making some exceptional reads. The way he's countering with this knee, the way sure, he's setting sure. it up, that knee to the body, like that is gorgeous. That is some some well-thought-out striking real time. But I was like, he's going to run out of time because he's making all these reads. Meanwhile, Giles was over there just – Jabbing away, racking up points. Well, and, and throwing a lot of hard one twos. Like he hit Protest clean sure. upstairs sure. with hooks as Still well. That jab a lot. That jab yeah. was, was money. And, was and the the reason I I didn't like it because that the the counter reads were good and clearly they worked. I can't argue with you. Can't argue with the results. But Giles has always been a bad fighter defensively on the back foot. Like, that has been his great weakness. He's got a great jab, but he often moves away with his hands down, circles out of the pocket without any defense really at all. And the guys that have beat him more often than not have just done it by crashing through into him while he's backing up. So a fight where you're letting Giles be the dude that comes forward and fires first all the time, it worked out for Pradas in the end, but it also just felt like you are taking the, the most difficult path to beat this dude, you know? Uh, it definitely felt like he was setting him up for a knockout. Like, that's what it felt like. It, it felt like someone calculating out there and making sure, leads, like I was saying. Like it, DDP set Trevin Giles up for a knockout, too, and he did it just by falling into him and wanging hooks at him, you know? Well, that's not setting it up. Right. You don't have to set Giles up, is what I'm saying. Going through the process. Sure. He probably didn't need to do it, but he did it. And it was yeah. a beautiful knockout. Gorgeous it was. Knockout. All right. Bellagioki, Timothy Kwamba. Um, kind of the not great fight I expected from booking two counter strikers together against one another. Uh but yeah. also won by the basic dynamic that Oki is the counter striker that goes forward. This was a uh, split decision too, which was weird. Yeah, that was nonsense. Chris Lee was the discerning judge. Not discerning, divi- dividing, dividing, oh, dividing. Or yeah, the uh, dissenting. Yeah. Dissenting is the dissenting. word you were looking for. There it is. Yeah, Dis- the opposite of discerning. He was not discerning at all. His discernment was was lacking. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, this was just a bunch of jabs. It was yeah, it was two counterfighters fighting, and Oki came forward, so he led. He he actually would jab and force the counter, which led the fight for most of it. Kwamba had a a decent okay round in there where he got some grappling done, but that was it. There was no reason to award him two rounds of this fight. Yeah, that's wild. All right. Uh, before that, Loma Lukbunmi, Bruna Brazil. Uh, 
kind of just another example of Lukunmi being a decent fighter who should be fighting at Adam Adam weight. Honestly, like, um, yeah, but I love this. This is um, I feel like order has been restored in some way, right? Like, this is what should happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, Brazil should come out here and get tuned up on the feet for trying to use a Muay Thai style against a legit Muay Thai practitioner. This is what sure. should happen. But at the same time, just because Brazil is so big, she ended up winning the last round of this fight. Like, Not on my scorecard. Not on my scorecards either. I had a 30-27 Brazil. But she built, like every round got harder for Loma Lukbunmi. The first round was clear. The second round was closer. The third round was very close, even if you're still scoring it for Lukbunmi. Lubunmi, apparently, as we've been told. Um, yeah, that's not, you know, I mean, there's no 105 in the UFC, sure, yeah. but she got it done. It yeah, was, it was still cool to see. Yeah, it's it's always fun to watch her play her technique. It's just one of those things where it just even fights she should easily walk away with feel like more of a struggle than they should because she's tiny, you know, is what it is. Marcin Prochnio, Devin Clark. Um, yeah, not uh, not a great fight for Clark. Not really a great fight. I mean, not a, I don't know. It was kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird fight where like Clark's striking looked better and Prochnio's chin looked better. So they both had sort of a simmering mid-range one and done power trade contest where very weird. It was just fine. But I did like the car crashes, though. Yeah. yeah. Those were exciting. Let me see. And Clark went for it there in the end. Yeah. Big thing was really just Clark could was matching Prochnio's head striking really well. He was trading good oh, punches yeah. to, the, kicks. to the head, but he could not match the body work or the leg work of Prochnio at all. And so it just ended up being like the car, you get the car crashes of them both trading big hooks upstairs. And then the rest of the time it was Prochnio working the body and the legs and Clark just kind of stumbling around after him. Yeah. It's such a weird panicked, like <laughs> it's a weird speed. It's a weird yeah. speed. Awkward fight. Really awkward. Before that, we got maybe not quite a robbery, but. The worst card of the night by uh, a long shot. I would hard like scorecard. Yeah, Max Griffin taking a split decision over Jeremiah Wells. I scored it for Max. You scored it for Max. Sure did. I scored it for Wells. I gave I, Max the first and the third. Um, the, the first was. Close. I just felt like Wells landed the bigger, better shots over the first two rounds. I didn't see it that way. So for me, like Wells did a lot of spinning shit in the first. Sure. But anytime Max actually hurt Wells, Wells would start backpedaling. And that happened oh, yeah, in the no. first. And then it, uh, I think it happened again in the second. But that's when Max was doing doing his his work and wells is sloppy to a fault he is sloppy to a point that 
any lack of success he has makes it look like he is the dude fights like he's in a bouncy castle. Like <laughs> he is he has bad reactions to getting hit. He is ridiculously stiff and awkward. So I, I get it. I just thought he landed bigger shots. I mean, like I'm looking at the stats. They're giving Max six significant strikes to Wells' seven. So the first is a bit of a toss-up. But it was really funny to have Max Griffin then going out, apparently in his uh in his his uh media scrum and he called out Sal D'Amato for scoring the fight against him and saying, Oh, Sal always scores fights against me. And apparently somebody else then went and did the research. Sal D'Amato has scored four Max Griffin fights, two he scored for Griffin, two he scored against Griffin, and like 80% of the media scores for this fight thought that Griffin lost the fight. So, you know, Griffin really going in on the wrong person here. It was just a close fight. It was a very close fight. But I thought Max pulled it out. You know, it's also yeah. my dude, though. So I'm a yeah. little biased, but you know, it was they were close rounds. Fighters are indeed sensitive. That is that is the basic mode of being a fighter. Somebody else put it recently, and this was actually I'd never really thought about it this way, so it was one of those like light bulb moments for me. They said nobody gets good at fighting by having a thick skin. You nobody know, you're fighting by having a thick skin. Nobody gets good good at fighting by having a thick skin. Like, you know, people who who are attracted to people who get in fights all the time, they're not thick skinned people. They don't. They're not people who take insults well. If you're the kind of person who's like, "Oh, I just brush off anything," sure, you're probably yeah, not no, they are a prideful bunch. Yeah, <laughs> they're a thin-skinned group. It is. It is a self-selecting for people who are easily insulted. You mean Sean Strickland can be offended? Apparently, apparently. Uh. All right, that brings us to Bogdan Gushkov, Zach Pauga, and... Uh, Talk about car crashes. Yeah, I'll say this for Gushkov. He may be a bit of a can crusher, but he is a can crusher that when he's on, the dude fires away. Like, dude knows how to bomb on somebody when he's got the advantage. I just don't understand how... He looks like a light heavyweight Anthony Smith when Anthony Smith is a light heavyweight. <laughs> what? It's the cloning project. This is the UFC Performance Institute cloning project. Ah, okay. You know, they're, they're yeah. coming out with Anthony Smith 2.0. We're going to get some, you know, so- sooner or later, we're going to be getting another. Uh, we saw what happened with Nazrat Hacker. Yeah, exactly. Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam. Yeah, exactly. This is what happens. Fighters go to the UFCP. They signed away their image rights. You thought that was just about video games. Sure. sure. No, no, no. And Askren signs up, does the little green suit with the balls on it for EA Sport. Next thing you know, Chase Hooper's around. Exactly. Exactly. This is what it is. (laughs) And there's no lack of DNA to get off that canvas. But that's Mm -hmm. also why they come out a little funky, because you're just scraping all of it at once. You know, you don't, you get mostly Anthony Smith. But you're getting a little, you know, a little Vulcan Ustamir in there, too. Yeah. Oh, that's too much. Um, Pauga, though, I got to say, man, like, you can't be that front foot heavy 
and try to make your change up strike low kicks. You can't be overhand and low kicks with a front foot heavy style. The, th- the change up there is takedowns and double legs. Pauga just, he's reaching out and it's like every time he's reaching, you just know he's coming in with like an overhand and Gushkov, all he had to do was sit in the pocket, slip one strike and tee off because he knew that the only thing that Pauga was going to be following up with is a low kick. It's not, not going to be a double leg. Yeah, this was a cool finish. It was a very cool finish. Very savage. And it was just so unique. He was kind of like yeah. punched over and banking up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just so unique. I loved it. <laughs> yep. Very, very, the best way that this low level light heavyweight fight could have gone. For that. This was light heavyweight? Oh my. Yeah. God. It definitely felt like heavyweights out there. They both have the heavyweight feel to them. They do. They do. Maybe that's what it is. It's heavyweight Anthony Smith cutting down to 205. <laughs> For that, we got Hyder Emil, Fernie Garcia. And uh, this is this fight was pure. If you want to figure, see and find out what the MMA metagame is right now and what it isn't, <laughs> this is the fight. Because on the one side, you've got Hyder Emil, who is all pace and pressure and changing up and striking in the interstitial spaces, you know, between clinch, between takedown, whatever. Just wild, no technique, but all process. And on the other side, you've got Fernie Garcia, who's trying to do a, a reactive back foot head hunting boxing game. And that is it. Slow paced, no pressure, no aggression, and Emil like he landed a couple good shots on Emil, but Emil just ran him out of the building. Like this is a pure process fight. What works, what doesn't. That's it. Fernie got ran over. Yeah. What was he? Was he like a short notice replacement or something? What was he doing in this fight? Uh. I don't think so. No, he. This and was just. By the way, he could have won this fight. Fernie was in positions to win this fight, right? Sure. He had the wobble. He had the backpack. He had the rear naked choke. Couldn't finish it, but he was in position to win this fight. No. But the second he wasn't, anytime he wasn't in position to win, he was getting pantsed. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's not like Hyder Emil is a technical fighter anywhere. It's not like he controls anything or like. Like, oh, he's a lockdown grappler or a power wrestler or a, a masterful striker. And he's like, no, he's just pace and pressure. It's just pure, this is how MMA works metagame. And Fernie Garcia is just like, oh, I'm going to react to what you do. Oh, wait, you're running me over. Like, Journey Newsom ran this dude over, right. you know? <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. All right. That brings us to our sucks-to-see sucks to fight of the night. Daniel Marcos, Ari Chilang, and Marcos on his way to putting together a real solid striking clinic. and Beating the piss out of him. Yep. Just one bad groin kick and Ari Chilang. Well, come on. Is it? How many? 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Two or they're three. Just the pills back and forth. They're playing volleyball <laughs> or something out there. Yeah, yeah. Tennis, I don't know. But there was a lot of ball shots back and forth. A lot forth. of fouls in this, and one of them just ended up putting Orochi Lang away. And whether you want to say he, he could have kept fighting or not, whatever, I don't blame him at all. That, you know, that's on Marcos to control his tools. No, yeah. that wasn't Marcos. He jumped into well, it. Yeah, it's true. That's right. He jumped into it. It wasn't even his fault. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, kind of still his fault, but not yeah, kind of still his fault, but not his fault. It's like yeah. the parry into the junk from earlier in the or later mm-hmm. on in the night. Definitely not fair. And but. another, another, another <clears throat> tally for for the archaic uh, pay structure that is the windbow is going to. Fuck. Yeah, no kidding. You have that nope. kind of performance, and then just to not get your win bonus, they'll probably rebook it. My it would be my guess. I yeah. bet our Chilang will take the fight again. Sure. Anyway, on that note, good night for Jack Hermanson. Rough night for Joe Pfeiffer. Learning experience, one would hope. Sure. He took a huge step up, way deeper waters. This should teach him some pace some patience, got to get rid of the jitteriness of his game, got to be a little more calm and collected, learn to moderate the power a little more, learn to learn to cope with something like, uh, you know, getting stung in your eye because, like, you could see, like, you got hit in the eye, you know? Check them leg kicks. Yep. He needs to train with Justin Gaethje. Learn to deal with the, with adversity. Yeah, well, he's... Speaking of clo- weird clone clone right. offshoots, <laughs> no shit. Yeah, they they should train together though. Yeah. If, All right. If Pfeiffer fought like Gaethje fights, ooh, that's a championship fighter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.